It is Thursday, November 5th, 2020, and you are listening to the Federalist Forum, a constitutional think tank for every patriotic American. Today on the Federalist Forum, I'm going to offer some perspective on a number of things, uh, from the election to social media to next steps for the Republic and more, coming up next on the Federalist Forum. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Federalist Forum. I'm your host, Tom. Thank you for tuning into the podcast that's become a popular resource for conservative truth and action. The podcast that makes no apologies for hurting your feelings or forgetting to water the plants. Hey, for those of you who have regularly listened to me, today's show will sound a little different. For those who are listening for the first time, welcome. And I hope you'll take some time to go back and listen to some previous shows and continue to listen in the future. Now, I want to start today by explaining a little about what makes, you know, what it takes to put one of these podcasts together for anybody that may not be quite familiar or that uses a different method. Uh, It wouldn't seem like much at the surface. I mean, most of these uh, average 15 minutes for me, 15 minutes in length. I try not to go much longer than that, and uh, that's for a number of reasons. I mean, that's 15 minutes. You can record that on your drive home from work, right? Well, sure, that might be possible if you essentially just want to exhaust, uh, get stuff off your chest, I suppose. But what I attempt to do with each of my podcasts is to take topics that are specific, measurable, actionable, relevant, and timely. Now, if that sounded familiar to most of you uh, in the corporate world, it should. It's a variation of what's known as a SMART goal, an acronym with a bigger purpose. Now, there's about 8 to 10 hours of work that goes into every 15-minute show that I do. That's on top of everything else that we all have in life. I'm a single dad. Uh, I have a career and everything else. But, you know, I, and I do three of these podcasts a week generally on average. So it's a lot of time that's dedicated to this. The actual recording part is minimal. Now, even if I recorded each episode twice, which isn't unusual, that's only a half an hour. The time-consuming part is found in the context and the content. On average, I spend six to eight hours on research for each one of these, uh, reading up thoroughly on what I want to talk about to make sure that what I'm sharing is solid information, that it has accurate historical context and tangible example. It, it takes time to get it right, but I would never record something, or put something out there that I haven't personally researched. I think it's extraordinarily irresponsible for any one of us to do that, even on simple things like social media posts. I've talked about that a lot. But we should personally look into these things. Now, another hour or two goes into organizing my notes and essentially transcribing the podcast. It's the best and most appropriate way for me to be sure that the information that I'm communicating is ultimately done so in a sensible and cohesive way that not only makes sense, but also keeps your attention, which is the most important part. After all, what, what I most often, you know, share is not just opinion. It's an informed set of examples and extensively researched facts to help you better understand and to also help you engage in your own debates with opposing ideological sides. Now, today, however, I'm going to do something a little bit different. Today, I'm going freestyle. Admittedly, I am a bit exhausted with this week's events and quite honestly, a bit disturbed at some of the responses as well. So today's really going to be more of an improvised run of topics and some general observations. I've scribbled some notes for myself, but I have not transcribed this out like I normally do. Uh, I'm intellectually spent this week, really, to be honest with you. Um, Brain is fried, in a way. But that said, um, I still can't turn it off. It's just the way I'm wired. You know, first the election results. 
it's disappointing. Wow, is it disappointing. And I think we have to come to terms with the fact that, yes, there's going to be a lot of fraud found in different areas, but I don't think it's going to be as extensive as a lot of people think. We have to accept the fact that the nation is really this divided. And unfortunately, uh, we've got, it's not an easy fight that we've got. Uh, and anybody that thought that it was going to be uh, was sorely mistaken. You know, I, I, we're going to find fraud. And I, I won't be surprised at all if it's enough to turn this around and, and end up working in Trump's favor. I, I hope, I sure hope it does. Um, and, I, and I hope that where there is fraud found, that people are prosecuted and example is made of them because it's very disturbing what is happening. And we know that it's happened. There's a lot of things that don't make sense. There's a lot of questions that need to be answered. But right now, the way we look at the map, it's, it's, it's upsetting, is it not? I mean, of course it is. Uh, it's disappointing. Everybody wanted it to be larger than that. But I think we have to prepare ourselves that because we think that our opinions and, and what we believe and what we stand for is so righteous and so right to us, obviously it's not to half of the country. And that is nothing new. We've That's been a growing divide that we've had for a number of years. you know. And unfortunately, as many as we've gained on the right from the left that have come over and walked away, there have been some on the right that have abandoned us and gone to the left. you know. And there's some prime examples. I mean, obviously Mittens is an example of that. I mean, you, you, and if you look at I mean, Cindy... Uh, McCain is a huge reason for problems in Arizona. I mean, that crazy old bat just really, really did some damage to Trump in Arizona. Uh, let's hope that all turns around. But, you know, one of the things that I find re extremely ridiculous right now is how Democrats are criticizing Trump for bringing lawsuits already, when all they have done for four years is investigate this president and bring lawsuits and subpoena family members and friends and business associates and colleagues in the administration uh, and more. I mean, that's all they've done for four years is bring lawsuits and investigations. He has every right to bring these in, these lawsuits against these states, and he would be very dumb if he didn't. There's clearly stuff that's wrong and has to be corrected and exposed at the very least. No, So... We've, we've got to be patient with this. This is going to be a process here. And a little bit later on, I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of the next steps with the Electoral College and what happens from here, because it's pretty extensive. Um, but, you know, the meat of really what I want to get into today is it, social media has gotten even uglier, which I didn't think was possible. I mean, it, it's absolutely incoherent in some cases. The vile anger and hatred that is being lobbed right now, not just at opposing sides, but also at each other, is it's repugnant. It's sick. We've become so entrenched in our tiny boxes that we won't allow the slightest question of our thoughts without lashing out like a stray dog on a scrap of meat thrown out in the alley by a butcher. It's, it's terrible. It, it is awful how we cannot stop and breathe for even a count to ten to read something and digest it and then respond without having to impulsively respond and get defensive about something just because we don't like what's being said and that's the biggest problem is hey we say this to the left all the time you may not like what's being said but because you don't like it doesn't make it untrue we have to come to grips with the reality that that applies to us as well it applies to everybody and sometimes we see things that we don't like 
But guess what? That's life. That's the way it is. It's still going to be true whether or not we like it. You know, it's just... Does anyone else feel like some days you're the only one allowed to swim in the deep end of the pool (laughs) while the rest of the kids spin around in the shallow end, pissing in a pool and slapping each other with those foam noodles? And that's what it feels like uh, if you're someone like me who's been trying to keep people's heads above water in all this post-election day madness. And I'm talking about the impulsive rhetoric of our own conservative misinformation. Let me me give you an example. Let me try to put this in a clearer fashion. Uh, Imagine you live in a subdivision where all of the neighbors get along. I mean, for the most part, of course. I mean, there's there's always, there's the one house down the street that has tin foil on all the windows and like 47 garden gnomes around the yard, right? But they're generally nice and they don't bother anybody. But one day that neighbor puts up notes on everyone's door that it looks like just some ridiculous ransom note from a 1980s horror movie. And newspaper letters cut out, poorly pasted, you know, just sloppy. I mean, it, it's just awful. The letter states that the local government has purchased 100 rhinoceros tigers and is going to turn them loose in the neighborhood to get rid of the never-before-heard-of spotted land clam that's destroying the unity of your subdivision. Appealing to everyone to immediately fence their yards in and place the oldest living relative in the yard as a decoy. And there's there's even a cut-out picture of a clam on the poster that someone used a Sharpie to draw spots on and colored some grass underneath. So you know it's real and not to be questioned. But you, as a critically thinking neighbor, decide to dig into this. You're you're intrigued, right? I mean, what kind of fence is going to stop a rhinoceros tiger? But you can't find any evidence anywhere that rhinoceros tigers even exist. Or spotted land clams, for that matter. Not even in archaeological texts. They didn't even exist 4 billion years ago. Not yesterday, not today, tomorrow, or ever. In fact, as you dig through the meeting minutes from city council meetings, you find that they actually just want to install a McDonald's fry guy next to the fire hydrants to ward off the hamburglar. You know, it, now, before you spend thousands of dollars on a fence and sacrifice your grandparents to the nefarious spotted land clam, wouldn't you want to know that the information on the poster was entirely false? And in fact, the only threat to your neighborhood is a spring-loaded goblin at the end of the cul-de-sac? I mean, that's, that's the apparent mistake I made last night by calling out the cultish conspiracy theory of one of the, you know, a few of the Q folks on a specific post about watermark ballots. I dared to question their rhinoceros tiger, so I've been tacked today by a bunch of torch-carrying intellectually cripples, intellectual cripples who find their entire life's purpose in the 17th letter of the alphabet. I don't care how many points it's worth in Scrabble. That doesn't make the information shared by them true, and it certainly doesn't make it at least immune from question or objection. Now, it, the story was about you know, Donald Trump having watermarks placed on legitimate ballots, and the National Guard deployed to several states to now count the real ballots. Well, I gave several, a very detailed rundown of how that's all not true. I mean, and I'm not going to go into all of that here. I mean, if you, you're interested, you can go to my parlor page and look through my wall, uh, my feed, and, and find the post on it. Uh, but it's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, for one, I mean, real quickly, the states uh, produce these ballots. And it, it's just, just everything about it is, is, is wrong. Yes, there are water, watermarks on ballots. They've been on them for years. Uh, and they are on there to identify 
absentee ballots or mail-in ballots as being legit. That's that, that's it's not new. It's not something Trump did. In fact, Trump kind of alluded to not knowing that that even existed earlier in the year when talking about the illegitimacy of mail-in ballots. Now, I don't agree with the, all the mail-in ballot stuff, at least on a mass scale. I think there's way too much room for error. But this particular conspiracy theory was way out there, and it's way wrong on so many in so many ways. So many things about it can be cleanly picked apart. But I, you know, I, I dared to question that, and it's been so bad today that I mean I've been called a a pedophile and obviously a liberal and a fake patriot and a troll and everything else it's just it's it's disgusting it is absolutely disgusting that people who essentially are on the same team are afraid of their crazy information sometimes being objected to and, and actually being dispelled and and that's what we should be doing all of the time we want to be smarter we want to be better that crap drags us down it does not do any good it doesn't do it's, it brings no validity to our fight it's it's stupid, it's irresponsible, and to fight for bad information is absolutely disgusting. It doesn't do anything to help us one bit, and those people should be ashamed of themselves. Let's finish up today by talking about the next steps for the Electoral College, because despite what you hear in the media, whomever they call the state for is really irrelevant. The media has no legal function or basis in our constitutional electoral process. So from now until December 14th, there's the counting of the popular votes and the filing of certificates of ascertainment. Basically, the states are to count and certify the popular vote results according to the respective statutory and procedural requirements in that state. And then the state governors prepare documents known as certificates of ascertainment of the vote. Those certificates must list the names of the electors chosen by the voters and the name, uh, the number of votes received in the popular election results. Also, the names of all losing candidates for the elector and the number of votes they received. Uh, those certificates are signed by state governors, must carry the seal of the state, and one copy is forwarded to the archivist in the United States, while six duplicates are provided to the electors by December 14th, the day on which they meet. The next date really that's important is December 8th. That's the safe harbor deadline, and that provides that if election results are contested in any state, and if the state prior to the election day had enacted procedures to settle controversies or contests over elections, uh, the electoral votes, and those procedures had, had been applied and the results had been determined, then that's how they address that. So the governor of any state where there was a contest in which the contest was decided according to established state procedures is required to send a certificate describing the form and manner by which the determination was made to the archivist as soon as practicable. Uh, December 14th is the big date then. December 14th is when the electors vote in their states. Electoral college delegations meet separately in their respective states and in the District of Columbia at places designated by their state legislature. The electors vote by paper ballot, casting one ballot uh, for president and one for vice president. The electors count the results and then sign the certificates, uh, each of which contains two lists. One includes uh, the electoral votes for president, the other electoral votes for vice president, each of which includes the names of the persons receiving the votes and the number of votes cast for them. Those are known as certificates of the vote, which the electors are then required to sign. And, and then they pair uh, six certificates of ascertainment are sent off uh, to several places. 
you know, on December 23rd, then the certificates must be delivered to the designated officials' um, certificates uh, of the electoral vote. So those are delivered to several places. Uh, the President of the Senate, Secretary of State in each state, uh, to the archivist, to certif uh, certified to a judge of the U.S. District Court. It, they go a lot of places to make sure that they're replicated, duplicated, and multiple people at multiple levels of government and different branches of government are all receiving the information. There's a purpose for that. Now, if the certificates from any state have not been delivered by the 23rd, then the President of the Senate, or in their absence, the archivist, is required to request the Secretary of the State or equivalent officer in that state to send one of the copies they hold to the President of the Senate. Now, the code also directs them to send a messenger to the judge of the U.S. District Court um, that this has not been done. Now, there, are, there are a lot of process. There's a lot of process left to this election. Not to mention all the legal challenges and the recounts. Uh, you know, and here's the big thing. Don't forget we held on to the Senate and we took back some House seats. That is where we find our momentum, no matter what, going into the midterms of 2022. Listen, even if Trump, Trump does survive this election, and God, I hope he does. We all hope he does. But even if he does, he's still gone in 2024, no matter what. What happens then? Are you all just going to lay down in a ditch and wait for the you know and wait for the vultures to get you? I mean, he's going to be gone in four years. So I, I think some people have built up. God, I love the guy. I love what he's doing for our country. Uh, I was never really a fan of his personality, but I love his fight now. I really do. But he, he's not going to be there forever. So there's, I think some people have this this thought built up in their head that he's always going to be around there in some way and they've made it about their entire lives and i get that this is our republic and our it's our lives but he's one guy he's limited to two terms at most and maybe just one term in this case so we have to continue to fight though this is our republic it's not trump's republic it's our republic the people's republic it has always been that way and god willing it always will be that way so we continue to fight we continue to stay positive and understand that while we may have many roads in this fight, the road of truth and logic and reason is the one that must persevere if we are going to bring down the Rhinosa Tigers. Alright, that's all I have for today. If you enjoy the show, I'd be very grateful if you'd take a minute to share it with your friends and family. Subscribe and leave me a review if you would be so kind. Feel free to follow and engage with me on Parlor. My handle is at ExposingLibsBS. Friends, it is time for all of us to passionately take action once again. And we the people, we have a proud history of doing just that. You've been listening to the Federalist Forum. Thank you for your listenership and for your patriotism as we fight together to preserve the founding principles of our constitutional republic. Until next time, sapientia est potentia. Wisdom is power. <laughs>